welcome to the GMC podcast, a place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, Malachi, Sin and Grace in Close Proximity, a response to Jesus. In six oracles, enclosed either side by a prologue and an epilogue, Malachi sits as the last book of the Old Testament, and he looks back to the Old Testament, assuming, summarising and applying the message of God. But he also looks forward to the New Testament, with its promise of the coming reign of God. Over eight weeks, we will seek to encourage you to respond to God's persistent words, I have loved you and to his faithfulness, and hopefully to help you understand and take heed of the warnings in Malachi, and so respond to the good news of Jesus. Now before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. We thank you, Father God, that you are such a wonderful God. Your word says you know the number of hairs that are on our head. You can see a sparrow falling to the ground. Nothing is too small and nothing is too big for our great and mighty God. Your love is so amazing, so wide, so high, so deep. You saw the heart of a mother who wanted so much to give her son a birthday cake. You saw a lad that's an ambulance driver now who's still looking and seeking for that something that he encountered 15 years ago at Lendrick Muir. We are here today as a family in Christ because you sent people into our lives to share with us what the love of God means. You draw all men to yourself, all people. We don't earn it. We don't work hard for it. It is your gift of grace. So it is our joy this morning to come together as a family to worship you and to praise your name because you are such a loving, mighty, powerful, compassionate God. We worship you. We worship you and forgive us when we forget just how amazing you are. Forgive us when we think there are coincidences in our lives that we've made happen. Forgive us when we take for granted that we can turn a tap on and have clean water when so many can't. Forgive us when we forget to thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the beauty of this day. Thank you for this beautiful child that's here with us this morning. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to be people who are so filled with gratitude and wonder and awe, for great is our God, and greatly is he to be praised. Hear us as together we say the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. 
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Following the time of prayer, I hope your heart is prepared to receive from God's word that you are open to be reached wherever you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then please feel free to contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed answer questions of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord and go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through our contact us page of our website, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Whatever your needs, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Now, over to our preacher. Clearly, is that okay? Yeah, you hear me? Good. How are we? Good. Yep. I'm glad to be here again at church. I'm glad that I get this opportunity again to share with you. Um, today's essentially all about honour. Um, Mike last week had started off in Malachi and spoke about the polluted offerings um, that the priests were given, um, and so. Today is about uh, the priest rebuke. Sorry, the priest rebuke from God. Um, but I just want to very quickly go back a couple more books in um, in the Old Testament text. This first and foremost um, in the book of Exodus at Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with a tribe called the Levites, um, and God makes the Levites their priests, and He makes them their priests for one reason. Amongst all the tribes in the nation of Israel, the Levites are the obedient tribe, the zealous tribe, the tribe that really loves God. And so God assigns them this role of being priests. Um, They love God and they are faithful to his laws. Skip forward to the book of Malachi. Last week, Mike started um, Malachi for us. We're confronted with a generation of Levitical priests that don't quite get it in terms of what was covenantal to the Levites in Exodus. So we have Levites who are very, very zealous for God, very passionate, and all they care about is God. Um, But then go forward into Malachi. The issue in Malachi's day is that the priests don't quite show that. Uh, They offer to God sacrifices that are below par. So blind animals, sick animals, um, the people come to sacrifice that which they can happily do without. And the priests say, go right ahead. God declares, where is my honor in all of this? So we see the difference from the Exodus Levites, who are all for God, and then we see a difference in the Levites in Malachi, who looks like a stark contrast from what it was to what is now. And that's a really important point. 
This week, we're moving uh, forward into today's passage. We read a lot about God's rebuking of the priest's actions. Um, we read a lot about the lack of honor shown to God. And the Le- Levitical priests are struck with the very real reality of blessing on one hand and curse on the other hand. And maybe there's something on that point of blessing and curse that we can apply to the church today also. Let me read our scripture today. It's um, Malachi 2, verses 1 to 9. If you do have your Bibles, follow along. So the Lord rebukes the priests. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I've already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings. And you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned away many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Quite a harsh word from God. Um, But I wonder what you think of when I say the word priest. It's going to give you 10, 15 seconds. Think about the word priest. What do you think of? You may see robes in your mind's eye. You may consider Catholicism. Words that come to mind might be along the lines of strict, um, angry, serious, no fun. Growing up, for me, I always thought that priests were a little bit weird and a little bit scary. That's how I saw a priest. And to be honest, any, any, any kind of... I wouldn't, I wouldn't have come across a physical representation of a priest, but everything that I saw of a priest was something that was on telly. Um, and it, was always, it always conveyed that fear and that, that weirdness around them. Who, who knows what a priest is? Why are they so strict? These were the questions that um, would jump up in my mind. But the Old Testament priests were called by God for a specific purpose, to uphold biblical integrity and to guard knowledge and truth. They were to lead God's people away from iniquity, to keep them on the straight and narrow. And so leadership is largely about setting example. Speaking of setting example, um, before I got this job here at Gillespie, I worked a lot of my working life from the age of 16 was in retail. um, And I'd I'd done loads of jobs in clothing shops and and, and I spent a lot of my time um, in hospitality as well. But the largest portion of my time working life was at Starbucks, um, that big, great, giant coffee company that everyone loves. Um, I got to work there for five or six years, and it was really great. It was really, and I loved it. It was, you know, I got to drink loads of coffee um, for free. That's always great. Um, but in terms of learning at a workplace, that's a really great company. 
some would say in America, well, I don't think they were paying their taxes for a while, and so nobody liked them, but that's by the by. Um, but what I learned at Starbucks was that there are processes in life, and there are processes in business, in structures, in management. And so when you start at Starbucks, you essentially your first day is a busboy, and you come in and you, you have this big black tray, and you pick up all the dishes from tables, you collect them all in, and you go through the back, you put them in a dishwasher, wait until they're ready, you come back out and you set them up again, ready for the rest of the, for the guys. The, the guys who are a tear up, who are making coffees and serving customers, you run about for them and you get everything for them. Your next role, once you've, you've got used to that and you're good at that, you jump into this position of supporting that person who's on the till and serving the customer. So they might need food, um, they might need cups written up, you know what it's like at Starbucks, they write your name and stuff for that. That's your job at this point. You're writing up cups, you are getting their food and supporting them, being that support person. Next up, you then have the responsibility of going over to the till. And now you get to actually serve customers. And of course it's lovely because now you have new workers coming in who are the busboys and you feel like I'm not the busboy anymore. I'm on the till. I get to be on the till, I get to be with the customers, having all the chat and being charming and, and what have you. And not only is there a busboy and I can see him running about picking everything up, I've also got somebody supporting me and they're getting everything I need and I'm telling them what to do and get this, get that, and I get to have that responsibility and it's great. Move up again, you get to move over to the, the coffee machine, you get to start making coffees. And that's the most exciting part. Um, but beyond all that, you obviously, with every business, you have managers. And in a store, you have a store manager. And then you have something called a regional manager. And they looked after a couple different stores within your region. Edinburgh, for example, Princess Street, George Street, that kind of area. There was managers that looked after those stores. But then you had the big boy, the district manager, straight at the top. And he essentially looked after Scotland. He would visit all these stores, all these shops, and when he came in, when it was announced that he was going to be coming on Thursday afternoon or wherever it was, you made sure you were ready. Why? Because this is the man who is Mr. Starbucks. He, he meets the standard all the time, and he's going to make sure that you're meeting the standard. You, don't want to, you do not want to have a dirty shirt on. You don't want to have any dirty aprons. Aprons was the one thing. Aprons was the thing that, you know, when you're working in a coffee shop, you're going to get dirty. Of course you are. Milk and stuff and coffee. But when he was an hour out, we would all change aprons to make sure it looked like we were all clean and we were all doing what we were doing right. Um, so we kind of fooled him a little bit. But the point stands. The point stands that this man would show up and we knew what he represented and we knew the, the expectation of him. And so we had expectations of him also because he is a district manager. So he needs to reach that standard, and he is our example. So, similarly to the district manager at Starbucks, the priests have an expectation placed upon them to be faithful and obedient to what God has commanded of them. See, God uses Levi as the example to follow. Levi devoted himself to biblical integrity, to garden truth and knowledge. He was a man after God's heart. Levi heard God's word and took great delight in it. Just like the Starbucks district manager with the rule book. He took great delight in the rule book. The priest, however, in Malachi conveys something 
lackluster. These priests have become loose with their actions. The standard has been dropped. And so the people of God imitate that which their leaders embody. Consider again, Mr. District Manager, for a second. Coming to my store, he arrives late, trudging through the door with his tie in a Windsor knot, yet not quite Windsored. Not to mention his hair is unkept, he's not smelling too fresh. He approaches the till and placing his briefcase on the countertop, catching his breath, he embarrassingly has to say sorry for his lateness to those who seek instruction and lead him from him. His attitude to the poor cleanliness standards in the store is an attitude of resistance. He does not want to rebuke the poor standards because honestly, leadership can be a lonely place and he wants to be one of the people. In business, if this attitude is evident from your leader, things begin to very quickly deteriorate. And in Israel, that's exactly what was happening. The priest's lack of honor for God served as an example for the people to follow. If the priests say it's okay, it must be all right. The people are led to iniquity by the very priest whose task it is to lead them away from iniquity. Do we see the importance placed on those who lead? The first three verses of our text, um, verse 1 to verse 3 of our passage, make it clear to us that God is less than pleased with the priest, and so, so much so that punishment is on the horizon. And he warns them and warns them and says, you are going to be rebuked now because of your behavior or lack thereof. The punishment due to them is one of blessings becoming curses. The priest's blessings are manifested in the fact that they have succumbed to disowning any sense of responsibility. They are living the high life. The people are living with great convenience, sacrificing the lamb that they have no use for. The bank account remains balanced, if you know what I mean. They don't have to do without. Their sacrifice to God was the stuff they were getting rid of anyway. Their sacrifice to God was the stuff in the black bag at the door that you're going to get rid of in the next couple of days. I'll get, get around to that. I'll take it out at some point. I'll go to the skip at some point. You know that bag you lay at the door? That is what their sacrifice embodies. God wants the priest to set their hearts on that which he requires. The priests are required to align themselves with God's priorities, just like Levi did. But they are dishonoring him in word and in deed. In its context, chapter, chapter 2 of Malachi is all about those who have positions of leadership in the nation of Israel. Um, and it can be translated today for those that have those positions in the church as well. That's not just Mike and myself. It's, it's those throughout the church who are leading in some respect. So, anyone on the preaching rota, anyone teas and coffees, anyone in the messy church, everywhere that there is leaders within the church, this applies to. Just as God has a high standard for the priests, God also calls those today in these positions to a higher standard because we set an example. We set the example. And allow me to make clear, of course, that we're not under the law that the priests were under, but God does, however, call us to a life of holiness and a life of honor. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into glorious light. Do you see we are set apart? The church, Christians, we are set apart from the rest of the world to live holy and pleasing lives. God wants all of his people to pursue that. God wants all of his people to pursue holy living. For the priests, that which was pleasing to God was that they would teach and instruct God's law faithfully and truthfully. Jumping back into the text, this notion is supported in the next couple of verses. In verse 4 to 6, Malachi reminds us of the covenant that God created with Levi. The Levites held to that covenant and they faithfully declared the truth of God's laws. And not only that, they lived by them. The Levites were a people consumed with God's priority. What an example that is for us today. When will we become consumed again with God's priority instead of consumption within ourselves? When will the church stand up and say, I am consumed with everything that you want to happen, God, in building your kingdom, rather than what we seek. And that's not just personally, throughout our week, that's even in the church. So often we, we come up with ideas to do things in the church, ministry ideas, things that are good and thought and in mind, but are we, but are we serious about, is that, that may be a good idea, but is that what God wants to do? And so we must spend time earnestly seeking God's will for that. See, God is faithful to his word. God will bless obedience, but he will curse dishonor. But what is honor? What does that look like? What is honor? Well, Levi embodies it. See, there's a link between verse 2 that we read and verse 5. Verse 2 God requires honor. He says that he requires honor. And in verse 5, we read that the covenant made by God with Levi was one of life and peace, yes, but also one of fear. And what did Levi do? He feared God. The King James translation states that Levi was afraid of God. The modern English version says that Levi feared him with awe and was reverent before his name. Levi expertly displays honor simply by hearing and doing. The priests, although they heard, they did not do. The priests knew what was expected, but they didn't do. And so honor is to be in awe of God, to have reverence for his name, so much so that we would not only hear his word, but we'd live by it and act in accordance with it. Verse uh, 7 to 9, the last couple of verses is really God going at it and really making the priest aware that you simply don't cut it. Do better. Um, again, harsh word, but God is saying that you should, you should guard knowledge. The people should seek instruction from you, but that's not the reality. God finishes them off by saying that you, are got, you have gone astray from my ways because you show partiality. So that's Malachi chapter 2, chapter two verse 1 to 9. A real strong word from God to the priests and a big congratulations for Levi. 
uh, for being obedient and being an example for the church today. But this is the good part. So what? But so what? And it's always important, I think, when we're reading Scripture, essentially also the Scriptures that are, that are older in the New Testament, a lot of folks think that they're not relevant, but they are. Everything's relevant. God's whole Word is relevant. We should always preach the whole counsel of God because it's relevant. Um, and so we get to the point where we have to say, well, we've heard about what it was in the context, but what does that mean for us? So, so what? is the question I'm asking now. What can you and I take from this? Is there much we can apply to the church in 2022? Some may be wondering, why must we admire and seek to follow Levi's example? Is it not Christ we want to imitate? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely. It is Christ we want to imitate. And, you know, I suppose I must ask this question of us then. If it's Christ that we're to imitate, did not Christ honor God? Did Christ not honor God's laws? Did Christ not honor God's word? Did he not come seeking to fulfill the law? You see, Christ never showed partiality, and to be a follower of his, to be his disciple, we must carry our cross that includes not being partial and adhering to God's laws and his word. If we are a true disciple of Christ, it's, it's not possible. It's impossible to be partial. Not only with our relationship with Christ, but all that Christ has fulfilled in the law, we cannot be partial with that nor can we be partial with anything that Christ saved from his lips. So, consider today's culture. It's becoming increasingly more unattractive to live a life that's honorable and pleasing to God. But be wise to the ever-increasing lure of partiality that seems so appetizing because partiality buys us breathing space with the world. You know what I mean, half-truths? You know, people telling, telling people that God loves them, which he does immensely. God loves everyone so, so much. But that isn't the gospel. And we see this partiality so often in the church for one reason, to get numbers into these seats. And it's never Christ's intention to have numbers into these seats. We must be really, really careful with the gospel. God loves them, but without any presentation of the issue with sin and why we need rescuing. Christ rescues us, and that's great, and we love that. But we don't talk about what he's rescuing us from. What's he rescuing us from? Partiality, half-truths. For those in Christ, for the true church, partiality to God's word is not an option. Paul taught us in Romans that as the body of Christ, as the church, we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He said, this, this is your true and proper worship. That we would live as living sacrifices. So what does that mean? That means being like the Levites, all about God's ways, consumed with God. 
Moses taught us that you are, and I, you and I, are to have no other gods before Yahweh. We are to live sacrificially, placing nothing before God. And so whilst God is not telling us to become Christian monks, He is demanding honor. And He does demand that our hearts be ready to serve His priorities before our own. And can I honestly tell you, no matter what your priorities are, God's are better. No matter what you think about life, no matter what you think's best for you, God's priorities are way better. And we must align ourselves with it. To conclude, I'll finish with these three uh, points, three points of application. Um, first one being this. Number one, godly, devout leaders are a gift from God. Of course, we all sin, and perfection is not possible, but the intention to live holy and pleasing lives has got to be at the forefront of all of our lives. It's got to be what we aspire to. This, this church has godly, devout leaders amongst the people. There are godly, devout leaders within the Church of Scotland. My question is this, are we praying for them? Are we praying for the leaders that God is beginning to raise up? The ones that God is encouraging to stand firm? Are we praying for those guys? Are we praying for those women? That's the challenge. Are you praying for the leaders of our church and thanking God for them? Thanking God that you're not led to iniquity like the priests were doing, but rather that you're led in truth and truth in accordance with the scripture. Is there a heart of thankfulness for that? This is a really great church. Really, really sound biblical church here. Those who are on the preaching team, those who share the word, I can tell you they're all about truth. They're all about honoring God. They don't want to make a step in the wrong way. They don't want to lead us all to iniquity. They want to lead us in truth. Are we thankful for that? Is there a heart of thankfulness for that? Uh, second point. Is the church pouring in to the next generation of godly leaders? God is raising people to hold that line. I mentioned it just there. God is raising people. I spoke about culture a little bit there. This, in this year, 2022, it is hard to be devout for Christ, really hard to stand for his word. It's, it's not easy. And whilst that is for us all, the leaders who are in, at the forefront of persecution, of the back chat you get in the streets, of that grinding with culture, there are leaders who are holding that line passionately for God. Are we praying for them? And discipling them? Are we coming alongside these people and discipling them and sowing into their lives to lead us, to help lead us? And lastly, I'll leave us with this. For us all, will we honor God like Levi did? Or will we violate like the priests did? I encourage you to honor him. 
honor God with reverence. He's so full of love. God is so full of grace. He's so full of compassion for us all. It's hard to even understand. It's hard to fathom it, God's grace. But you've been chosen and you've been bought at a price and there's no better, better place to be than to be under God's wing. I know there's many of, all of us in here will be able to tell us, you could all get up here and say, this is where God's brought me from. Every single one of us could say, look at what God has done in my life. Look where he's taken me from and look where I am now. Praise be to God. So, in the name of Christ, I pray that we would honor him. Church, let's honor him. Let's honor God in truth and knowledge. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday podcast from our team at GMC Dunfermline, Scotland. If you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook or look back at some of our videos on our YouTube channel. Just search for Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page on our website by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Hoey, and the soundtrack is Up to the Mood by Low Tree. Thank you for listening, and God bless.